We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm-hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Wait, is Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> So, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Hey, Matt. So when we created this show, uh, one of the big things was that our goal was to put a really upbeat, wholesome podcast out into the world. And, you know, we've been getting some really cool responses already. Episode one just came out while we're recording this. And people are we got a comment from like a podcast in France telling us how they stopped listening to our first episode 10 minutes in just so they could watch let it snow because it was making them so excited through our passion no i was out um shopping with my girlfriend and i got that notification and literally like had to drop everything it brought a little bit of a tear to my eye that it did that we're actually yeah. bringing some joy to those around us so the problem is <laughs> that I think that for five episodes now, five, six episodes, we have absolutely killed it on upbeat, wholesome content, seeing the good in everything. But this week's guest, one of my absolute best friends, Juan Rodriguez, wanted to talk about wrestling. And the problem with that is that there's not a ton of wrestling Christmas centric stuff. I mean, there's like. You can watch like the Raw that's Christmas Eve or whatever, where like Santa Claus has a match, or you can watch like a Miracle on 34th Street. But like they're all individual segments. There's yeah. no like all encompassing Christmas thing. But it's funny you bring that up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, because there I'm is a up. there is a DVD that exists. Called oh, Ring w- in the Holidays. Yeah, Ring in the Holidays. <laughs> but it's just like what you're saying. The DVD is literally like 30 minutes long. And it's just cut up of different segments from past Christmas themed Monday Night Raws. Yes. Clips uh, featuring, uh, I'm just putting this out into the ether, future guest Mick Foley. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll try really hard to get Mick Foley. That man loves Christmas almost as much as Dylan and I. Oh my God, I think I would die. (laughs) But there is is one pay-per-view. It is infamously considered... One of, if not the worst pay-per-view in wrestling history. And it is the December to December 2006 pay-per-view. So let's bring on Juan and let's talk about this. Because Juan, I I mean, we're not going to give you too much shit about this because... Speak for yourself. Well, no, because Juan (laughs) actually wanted to pick... A good dismember, uh, December to December pay-per-view. The only other one that existed. But the network just didn't have it available. Now, I almost think I'll have more to say about this one than the good one, though. So I think this is oh. going to make 
for great. I hope we do because WWE should hear every bad thing that has to ever be said about this pay per view. <laughs> oh my god! So first and foremost, let's uh, talk about our own histories as wrestling fans, and then I mean, the only way to really do a wrestling pay per view review is to go the something to wrestle with route of just hitting it match by match, segment by segment, and and discussing our thoughts. But let's dive into us as wrestling fans because all three of us are pretty big wrestling fans or at least as far as myself big wrestling fan pre-pandemic i would say i have not really watched much of anything since march but up until that point it was like monday wednesday tuesday friday and then sometimes sunday and sometimes saturday watching wrestling content yeah i mean for me i grew up watching wrestling 100 percent. i mean some of my earliest memories are like watching wrestlemania still in diapers like not like full-blown memories but just having glimpses in my mind of watching it with my dad and i mean I, we've been both been diehard fans growing up and i mean there are times where i slipped in and out. I mean, even thinking about around 2006, I wasn't watching every week, but I kept up. Whenever I drop off, Matt and I, you, we've talked about this before. We still follow along. We still have those podcasts we listen to. Honestly, in more recent years, I stopped watching WWE so much. I still follow along, um, but I'm much more interested in New Japan, AEW, everything else that's going on. I still follow along with WWE. Was never a WCW guy back in the day, and I blame that on some of my family. Some of the um, not classiest of people being huge WCW fans, so I always consider WCW as white trash wrestling, which is so funny because like some of the segments that WWF at the time pulled back in the day could definitely be considered the same. But I was never a WCW guy, but I did still follow along. I still know basic storylines and such like that. But always been a huge wrestling fan, continue to be a huge wrestling fan. Much like you, Matt, I've dropped off a little bit during the pandemic. Um, Honestly, it depresses me. I attempted to watch WrestleMania in April. um, And as quiet as it was, I eventually turned it off and just watched the the two pre-recorded matches. Yeah. How about you, Juan? Oh, man. This is going to probably way date me and the reason why i started watching wrestling but like even though i'm just 30 uh (laughs) so like back in the day i just remember going because my grandfather lived right across the street from my elementary school so i go and hang out with him pretty much every day and we just watch tapes and the first tape i remember like he always would show me chief j strombo he'd always show me footage from the philadelphia spectrum wrestling from back in like the 70s or the 80s um, it was Mel Mascaras versus Sergeant Slaughter. And that was the first day I remember loving wrestling. Because that dude had a thousand masks and he kept taking them off. And he kept punching Sergeant Slaughter with a mask. And I'm like, who is this crazy guy? I want to be this crazy guy. <laughs> yeah, from then on, I was like, I like I like Mexican wrestling. I like Lucha Libre. But yeah, it's the first time like me loving wrestling and then going to watching ECW um, against my parents' wills and wishes because of the boobies. <laughs> There's so much like sexual innuendos and all this sexual stuff in ECW wrestling. My mom was just not for it. I just waited until two in the morning and I would have, sorry, mom, if you're listening to this. Um, I still watched it. Classic. And then I'm sure you were super excited when ECW made its triumphant return in 2006. I, so that's when I started getting back into wrestling. Again, actually, there's a time, I mean, I've been, it's really weird. So I thought I, I let my friends control me a little bit, you know, growing up wrestling, wrestling, stupid wrestling is, and I don't mean this, but this is just what kids said. Wrestling's gay because the tights and everything. And like now as an adult, I'm like, man, I was a dumb kid. I should not have listened to them. Well, that's uh, you and I have talked about this because I missed the entire attitude era. Like I got out. Dude, of re- that's, I stopped <laughs> watching right after that. For some reason, I got out of wrestling like my my wrestling, my WWF. And I still love it, even though I know it's trash, is the new generation. I love watching <laughs> new generation because that was what I grew up on. Yeah. And then I got out of it right around WrestleMania 10. It wasn't until I was booking shows, honestly. And it was booking like your band and a bunch of other bands where all of the members were like wrestling fans. They were always talking about wrestling when they would get together at these shows. And I felt kind of like out of the loop. So I started watching it on Hulu. And the first like... <laughs> week or two i was like this is stupid i don't understand the appeal and then bray wyatt came out and i was like oh yeah oh you got my attention now and then i became a fan for 
probably close to it. I think that was almost a decade now. I mean, take, um, take, taking it back a little bit, you're you saying you grew up with new generation and that kind of steers your interest in wrestling. I being probably the youngest member who's who's talking today. I'm 28 years old. I'm watching the Attitude Era and such like that. But the the storylines that tick that stick in my head are just a little post Attitude Era, more the ruthless aggression era. Oh, I mean, okay. honestly, back in the day, I thought the Invasion storyline was absolutely amazing. I mean, and in <laughs> retrospect, not great. But at the time, <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, this is amazing. Are you Vengeance, kidding me? All those yeah. pay-per-views, everything felt real as a kid. Like, yeah. oh my god, Shane McMahon's on WCW, ma. Yeah. Right, did you do your homework? <laughs> I was freaking out because I was like, tomorrow, WWE could not be a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it could not be a thing. Is it, it was wild. Like, I would go to school, uh, like, I don't know what to think, man. People are going to lose their jobs. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> but same. I also love exactly the same. I'm trying to think like oh yeah you're saying how like the, when you first watch wrestling it kind of caters to your uh, taste today yeah I, I would say it's 100% true because I love the more technical stuff that's why I like watching AEW a lot and AAA wrestling yeah. and New Japan but then if I continued watching the Ruthless Aggression era I'm sure I'd like like Strong Style or Big Dudes more because <laughs> that yeah. was when like that's when like alright we did the Attitude Era that was cool now we need big guys again bring on Brock so yeah. so but but we forget that at the same time as the ruthless aggression era and all that going on we still had the smackdown six as well we had edge mm-hmm. Rey mysterio angle benoit and eddie and chavo on all honesty though like i feel like brock lesnar's career overshines all six of those unfortunately it does it really yeah. does like and they're so all so great but i think two of them are such tragedies and one's tied to it i mean two of them are tied to a tragedy yeah it's yeah. like uh but brock lesnar he's big guy mma money yeah yeah <laughs> yeah for sure for sure but all right let's so let's let's dive in to the december to dismember pay-per-view yes advertise advertises ecw but Let's be real. This is a WWE pay-per-view with a few ECW guys showing up. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, we were back on, we were on sci-fi, right? Yeah. For a few weeks. Basically, like what had happened with the rundown for people who aren't familiar. Basically, WWE brought ECW back with one night stand a few years earlier. And it was friggin' awesome. All the classic ECW guys. That was not bad. No. The, fr- the first one, the second one was was good too. I, I mean, I like the the deal with um, RVD and Cena, but that first one night stand was so successful that they got it in their heads like, hey, maybe we can make some money off this ECW name. And basically when they ended up bringing it back, they brought it back to sci-fi. Literally the first thing you see is a zombie <laughs> coming out into the ring. And I mean, Sandman comes out and squashes a zombie, but at the same time, I think if anything was a sign of things to come, it was that. That first episode was rough. <laughs> we have these moments of them peppering in both things. So yeah. we start off, we've got Joey Styles and Taz on the commentary. Not a bad choice at all if you're bringing back ECW as far as a commentary team. First match, arguably the only legitimately good match in the entire show. Best match on the show, 100%. Yeah, we've got Eminem versus hardy boys i thought you were gonna say the dark match i'm like uh i mean i don't know if anyone watched a dark match but that was pretty good (laughs) now now now, hold on before we get into the match before the the paper the pay-per-view has started joey styles and taz are cutting their promo and everything and joey styles says a line and i wrote it right down on my notes as soon as i heard it (laughs) tonight is going to be infamous for the first ever extreme elimination chamber and damn if he wasn't wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is infamous for the first and only extreme elimination chamber. So we'll, we'll get in there deeper, but the extreme element of the elimination chamber is not the problem with that match. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm actually not against doing another extreme elimination chamber match one day where it's like, hey, each person gets to pick a, an item that they have in the chamber with them that they use when they come out. Like, that's fine. That's like a nothing addition. You add a little bit of story with, with those choices, but we got a similar cage match. Eventually. Are you talking about the Dean Ambrose? And yes, I am talking about Jericho and Dean Ambrose. Ambrose Asylum Um, match. 
Oh God, what a bad match! I, I think we watched it at your house, Matt. I'm pretty sure I went outside to smoke, and I don't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> so let's <laughs> let's stop hanging weapons on the inside of cages. That, so. Okay, fair. That's, that's right. definitely an impact wrestling thing. We can just kind of get rid of. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about an even worse pay per view, though. Yeah, the M and M versus Hardy Boys match. I mean, it's a good match. It's actually like a worth yeah. watching match. It is, but there's nothing. The red that, like, shell and the yellow shell. Eminem beat the shit out of the Hardy Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I did, there are some things I want to point out. Um, okay. And basically, okay. it's it's signs that, hey, even though this is WWE ECW, there were definitely sprinklings of that ECW-ness in the crowd. Particularly when we're hearing, and these, this is a quote, this is not me saying this. She's a crack whore being screamed at Molina. Molina. Yeah, (laughs) they brought back Jericho's hose beast, also screaming that at Molina. And I'm sitting here going, "All right, now this this is definitely reminding me why sometimes I don't tell people I'm a wrestling fan." Yeah, no, this is definitely the pay per view (laughs) that if you want people to take you seriously as a wrestling fan, you make sure that they never stumble upon. So, I mean, it's a good match. It's a memorable match. So. My thing is that I'm coming into this where I genuinely don't know most of the people that are on the this card. So the next match, I was, I mean, it's a bad match, but Matt Stryker came out. I only knew Matt Stryker as a commentary guy. From and, Lucha, Lucha Underground, right? Yeah, yeah, but when he did his promo, I did write down Matt Stryker is the type of heel that I love. Like, I love the like hoity-toity entitled heel and him up there just saying like, and now I've got a match against a man named, and he just looks disgusted before he goes, <laughs> Balls Mahoney. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> then, then Balls Mahoney came out and the match happened and I was like, oh, okay, this is really bad. <laughs> this is like a, yeah. so this is like, here's, here's the thing. Like a, he's like a the mascot boss. they just kind of like wanted to keep for ECW, I guess. I don't know why. Yeah, and, and the problem is, is like they basically took Balls Mahoney, anything that he's good at, which isn't much, and basically stripped him of that in this match. It was uh. literally a Balls Mahoney Matt Striker rest hold match. Yeah, it was so bad. Also, it was not a regular match. It was a Strikers Rules oh match. Oh my god! That yeah. enti- that in uh it, within it encompassed no gouging of the eyes, no pulling of the hair, no maneuvers off the top rope. Which we're gonna underline that real quick. Um, most <laughs> importantly, no foul language. Yeah. Now I'm pretty sure Balls said bullshit right off the bat, so he should have been disqualified by these rules. <laughs> <laughs> but no maneuvers off the top rope. I think they could have left that out for this match. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should have kept some spicy element for this. <laughs> because, but the thing is, in this, there's no thing about DQ. Like, you can still beat the crap out of him, I guess. So, like, yeah. if Balls is smart, which I don't think he was, I think he just ended up just getting weapons and saying, oh, no, you can't do that in a Strikers rules match. But it doesn't clearly say that. Listen, <laughs> listen. If Balls Mahoney hit the top rope in 2006. Game over. Best best pay per view of the year. Also, I forgot to, to rewind real quick. The end of that Eminem Hardy's Boy match was amazing because it was a flapjack DDT that Jeff got out of, and then freaking Matt Hardy did a double neck breaker to a swanton. That was red. This one not so red. That swanton <laughs> on the Eminem basically sandwich. Like mm-hmm. I mean, the, he gave them all of that, and I love. Uh, Jeff did an interview a couple years ago where he's like, "Yeah, I used to protect my opponent, but now when I hit that swanton, fuck him." Like, <laughs> I mean, he gave them all of his fucking body, and I'm like, "Oh, God, dude, the crowd man. went nuts." They're like, "This is yeah. gonna be a great night after all." <laughs> and also, is this is in Georgia? So I thought this was in Philly for some reason, <laughs> just because of that alone. No, we're in Georgia. Yeah, but no. So the end of the Strikers Rules match was very, like, for any other wrestler, like Triple H, Bobby Roode, I could believe this. Not for this match. He won, Balls Mahoney won with the Spine Buster. Yeah, Arn Anderson is rolling over in his grave. Wait, <laughs> wait a minute. Nope. I mean, I'm not nope. sure he Sorry. acts one, but ready. <laughs> so the, the Matt Striker and Balls Mahoney match is uh, a lot of negative things, but one positive is that it is blissfully short, and we mm-hmm. go backstage where we find an unconscious Sabu, uh, probably one of 
the most iconic ECW wrestlers, someone who absolutely should be headlining the December to December pay-per-view, and he's not going to. Yeah, Sabu is out because he's injured, not because of drug-related incidents again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and actually, rumor has it, like, he showed up and he's like, I don't want to do this. And that's not a joke. Like, apparently, he Mm -hmm. showed up really uninterested, had no desire to continue doing this work so he apparently usually shows up already dressed up yeah like he doesn't get dressed in the locker room he is sabu he showed up in jeans apparently to this and people were like what (laughs) i did read that tommy dreamer and maybe it was sabu someone else asked for their release immediately following the pay-per-view and they were told no yeah i would believe it's tommy dreamer just because was it towards the end where like that that stupid belt handoff oh god yeah tommy dreamer and stevie richards uh both asked after the event to please be released from their contracts so this was uh, you know this was an insult to a lot of those ecw guys and we're going to get into when we when we're about to jump into the i've got some notes for the elimination chamber we're about to jump in there but next we have, and I, I have no clue who any of these four human beings are. Oh, but, I cannot uh, wait to hear this. So is it Elijah? I can't tell if that's a K or an L. So it's uh, uh, Burke. Elijah, Burke. Elijah Burke. Yeah. Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkey. Uh, <laughs> yes. Gobble, yes. gobble. Um, yeah. So the way they <laughs> his name was Sylvester Turkai. Turkai, yeah. But there is no designation at the end for Kai. <laughs> Nope. If it's yeah, that language, because he's supposed to be from like uh, Moldova, and yeah. if you're it's it's Turkey, Turkey, or Turkey, like but they're <laughs> up against they're up against who's probably my favorite team, my favorite mm-hmm. thing yeah. ever, uh, the FBI, the full blooded Italians, who seem to be coming out to like a license free version of No Sleep Till Brooklyn in the pay per view. Yeah. I don't know if that's like the WWE network changing it, or if that was always their entrance music was a ripoff of no sleep till Brooklyn. That made my day was <laughs> just, just them coming out. I was like, all right, this match gets one star out the gate for me because I just like the idea of the FBI. Yeah. You're like, I know them. <laughs> I absolutely love the FBI because the feud between them and the Dudleys is great. Yeah. And the feud between them and one of my favorite tag teams of all time uh, positive, it doesn't happen this pay-per-view, unfortunately. But Roadkill and Danny Doring, my favorite tag team of all time. And you can tell that I was sucked into the concept of the FBI because literally my notes stop after, is this no sleep till Brooklyn? <laughs> 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 I feel like this match, it's unoffensive. Like, like especially coming off of that match, Striker Balls Mahoney match, that was like so sloppy and so bad. This was like, all right, fine, whatever. No complaints from me. Uh, how about you guys? I think that's that's my thing with most of this show is I literally rewatched this show two days ago, and I remember the first match a little bit of the match. yeah a little bit of the balls Mahoney match, um, basically because I was just so aghast that really we're just doing going to do some rest holds between Matt Striker and Balls Mahoney, <laughs> and then the main event. Which right, I'm well, still let's... pissed off to this day. So I mean, all right. So let's let's move into the next one real quick. Well, so we I had do have to... one commentary for the Sylvester Turkai match. Odd thing how it ended. Um, Turkai did a muscle buster on uh, Little Guido, and during the match, I didn't hear this, but apparently there's like clips of this. The cha- the crowd was chanting TNA in reference to Samoa Joe because that was his finishing move. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I and, didn't hear that either, but I do. Yeah, see, but like, I, I do match. remember watching this match. Like, actually, this is the only match I actually paid attention to because the one I didn't remember. It could have been a lot better with the talent that was in the ring, but like I think Burke and Turkai and Mamalu carried it pretty well. So we move into immediately. There's another match: Davari with the Great Kali coming out with him versus Tommy Dreamer. Just a reminder to me at all times, like if you if you need. <laughs> No other example of Vince McMahon putting size over substance. Look no further than the great Kali. He's the <sighs> the best world champion who can barely walk to the ring. So, <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Let me back that up because Uh-oh. it is 2020. Undertaker okay. is the best world champion who can barely <laughs> walk to the ring. Seconded by the great Kali. <laughs> I just wish they went with my angle of putting the great Kali in a rascal. I think that would have been fantastic and just have him in the rascal like just getting like hit and just beat up and all he does is a chop and then wins like that would have <laughs> saved the character in my opinion Davari wins this one uh, Tommy Dreamer 
chases him up the ramp and then gets body slammed on the ramp. Mm -hmm. And at this point, we are really spending a lot of time with Tommy Dreamer on the ramp. And I can only assume it's because backstage they're like, we've been on the air for an hour and we've got two matches left to go. Let's eat up as much time as we can possibly eat up with this Tommy Dreamer ramp spot. Like, I didn't realize the times on these matches, but the opening match was 20 minutes, and that was just a tag match. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything else has been under eight minutes. (laughs) Even the other (laughs) tag match, which is the shortest match on the card, is the other tag match. So then we cut to a backstage segment again. Paul Heyman now asking Hardcore Holly to replace Sabu in the match. It's fine. It's just a regular old backstage segment. Nothing super crazy happening there and then we get to the the pre-main event with mike knox and kelly kelly versus ariel and kevin thorne uh i had never in my life seen ariel and i was like who is this every (laughs) when she would say her name because she would always have her tongue out (laughs) through her teeth like ariel like a vampire yeah (laughs) like uh this is not uh what is this fresh hell? So full confession, I may have been Googling more information on Ariel. And all of a sudden I looked up and the Sandman was there. So you guys are going to have to walk me through what happened in this match. Uh, who wants to take this? Uh, yeah, I'm not touching this, man. I mean, uh, my, uh, my uh, thing is to this. Uh, a vampire yeah. man gets beat by greasy caveman. We're making an ad. Napping ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm-hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The <laughs> Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! And there's hot chicks. <laughs> and the same man. basically like, it's another example of, I feel like Kevin Thorne and Ariel was basically another response to sci-fi wanting sci-fi elements on ECW at that point. And because it just, it didn't, I, I, and I like Kevin Thorne. I think Mm -hmm. Kevin Thorne is absolutely hilarious on social media currently. Yeah. That's all you need to know. And that doesn't sound so vapid, but there's an excuse to have Kelly Kelly and Ariel roll around the ring. Like I know what they're trying to do. All right, so they Sandman comes out at the end. Kane's, Kane's Thorn. Let's move on to the main event. <laughs> so before the main event, they send Paul Heyman out there for the slaughter. Uh, if you're really listening to that speech, you can tell that Paul Heyman knows he's getting fired when he walks back yep. behind the curtain. But I did find this incredible interview from 2008 that Paul Heyman gave to The Sun about his thoughts on this pay-per-view. And he said, personally, I thought the undercard was horrible. I thought that the design of the show itself made absolutely no sense. And I felt that the entire layout of the show and the entire complex of the event was just a downer. I also thought that we weren't doing Bobby Lashley any favors in the way that he was going to win this title. Lashley winning the title, especially if you eliminate Rob Van Dam and CM Punk early, would be leapfrogging all over RVD and Punk. Van Dam was the sentimental favorite and Punk was the kid that all the crowd was getting behind and wanted to see the upset. If you don't appease to the needs of the audience to see that new hero get crowned like Punk did the week before at Survivor Series when DX left, let him say, are you ready? Then the audience will feel ripped off. If you don't put the spotlight on Van Dam, with whom the paying customer has taken a long ride back into the title chase, then paying the paying customers feeling ripped off. My opinion was that we start off the chamber with Big Show saying that he's a seven foot tall, 500 pound giant, and he's going to mow through every single one of them. And then the first to take him on would be CM Punk. 
playing on the fact that the UFC is so hot and in the public consciousness, Punk would choke out Big Show in the very first round of the Elimination Chamber in four and a half minutes. Now your champion is out, and you know that for a fact, before any two contenders lock up, that I'm going to get a new champion at the end of this match. Then the first guy to come out after Big Show versus Punk would be Van Dam, and you let Van Dam and Punk fight it out, and then you start feeding them the heels. Vince hated this. He especially hated the fact that Big Show liked the idea so much. Well, I mean, Big Show was on his way out. So, yeah. I mean, he, also, and, and, this is the heaviest Big Show we'll ever have right before he leaves. That, that would have made this better for sure. Yeah. Well, and mm-hmm. that's I didn't so know that. And I, I'm like reluctant now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's a continuation of the, the quote that I want to get into and then we'll break down the pay-per-view because he has a lot of com- yeah. uh, yeah. he has a lot of praise for Big Show. He says, Big Show is so underappreciated in the terms of how smart he is when he comes to the business and how willing he is to constantly make new stars. Vince wanted all the baby faces out of the way for the spotlight to be on Lashley and for Lashley to do a Goldberg-esque two-minute squash on the Big Show. At that point, not only did I realize that this was going to suck, not only is everyone (laughs) going to throw this back at us and that this show is going to run short, and during the show, I pointed all this out to Vince, which just angered him even more. He didn't care. His attitude was, when this broadcast is over, people will see a new champion and they'll have a new hero and they'll just have to be happy about it. When I went to Vince right before I went out there to introduce the chamber, I pointed out to him, Vince, this show is horribly short. I had this idea of getting 15 minutes out of the crowd, but Vince said, no, 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 no. Just go out there, make your quick point and introduce the chamber, which is why when I went to the ring, I made a statement that ECW would live long after I'm gone because I knew either when I went back into the dressing room or within the next day or two, it was time for me to have to leave. So I think Vince's response is very telling. And I mean, it's no secret to us. And I hate to bring this up, really do, because the man with Paul Heyman right now currently is doing the best work of his career. Um, Let's just take it a few years back to Roman Reigns winning the Royal Rumble. Yeah. And basically the same thing is Vince basically told the audience, we're going to have a new guy at the end of this. And you know what? The audience are just going to have to be happy. (laughs) Damn it. Were they not happy? (laughs) No, I was there for that crowd. And yeah. Oh, my goodness. So if you remember that rumble, though, they were not doing themselves any favors. I believe you had um, that was the year that what corporate Kane came out and basically just like kind of dumped Ziggler over the edge, just started dumping Mm -hmm. people over the edge. And I mean, they did not set themselves up for for success at all. And I will say the following year, as much as people like to dunk on Triple H, one of my favorite moments in recent memory is when Triple H dumps Roman Reigns and then tells him to suck it. Like, I fucking <laughs> love that moment. He just dumps him, gives him the suck it sign. I pop hard. The extreme elimination <laughs> chamber happens. Uh, and we the, the match kicks off with RVD and Hardcore Holly. Um, and, you know, it's it starts off really strong. Honestly, it it's like, all right, this is these are two guys They're They know what they're doing. They're they're masters of their realm. In comes CM Punk. It's like, OK, this is going good. This is going good. Test comes in and this is where things start to go, start to fall apart a little bit. RVD eliminates CM Punk. Yeah. Yeah. Hard one. <laughs> I mean, hard one. honestly, um, if I had like, to vote anybody eliminating anybody, I guess like as I, I I would prefer if CM Punk had eliminated RVD, if, like if I had to choose one or the other, I don't know. <sighs> what I don't want to see happen is Test eliminating anyone because never in my life was I ever like, you know who I want to see, Test. I actually loved Test growing really? up. Really? Um, really? And the reason being is because on Velocity, he was allowed to do a lot more than on TV. Yeah. Um, and that's where the tag team with him and Albert and when Trish was on and off their like, manager, which I think it wasn't Trish after a while. It was someone else, like Kat or someone else. I can't remember. Toy Wilson, maybe. But like it's the, the, the TNA group was great or whatever they were called at the time. I can't remember. It was It was TNA. Yeah. What it was? All right, yeah. yeah. It was, and I loved his theme song. It was so catchy. Uh, it was just his name over and over again, but it was so neat. <laughs> I gotta stop you because the way you just described while you liked Test, I could in my head I was hearing it in a Donald Trump voice and it was making me laugh so much. <laughs> like he had a great theme, his theme, his name, 
just a he bunch says, of times. It was great. It was great. <laughs> says his name over and over. He's a big guy. He comes yeah. across the top rope. <laughs> I was so I was flabbergasted. I'm like, I remember this dude like just getting hit, going over the rope, staying on the side, like doing a punch or a kick here and there. Yeah. But no, like him and Sean Stacey had a great contest as a kid. And I was like, all right, I like Tess, but then didn't do any of that. Well, I was a Tess not, fan and he did none of the things I liked. I'm not arguing, <laughs> like, te- I'm not arguing Tess's, like, ability to work. I'm arguing but at the, the time fact I, that would, I just yeah, don't. I agree with you. I would not want Tess to win anything. I don't care. Like, I yeah. don't care. The most I cared about Tess, like, literally, <laughs> I the most care. I ever cared about Tess was when Triple H forced Stephanie to marry him. That's the only time I was ever like, woo, test. So speaking of test and all the ways that he sucks, he then immediately, <laughs> he immediately back-to-back eliminates Hardcore Holly and RVD. And then we get, there's there are times when this happens in wrestling matches and it can be used as something truly great or it can be where I'm hitting the 10 second skip ahead button a whole bunch and it's no one else in the ring and they're just kind of standing there waiting for someone to show up yeah. and like, you know, CM Punk, unfortunately eliminated, did a great, had a great example of how you do this properly in the Royal Rumble where he just kept grabbing the mic and cutting promo after promo after promo as, as he eliminated people. Tess doesn't do that. Tess literally just starts walking around taunting the different people in the pods, which are just two people at this point. So there's like not a lot to be done. And the crowd is really letting him have it with a whole lot of bullshit cheers. Maybe one of you guys can explain this to me because I don't understand, but apparently Paul Heyman in storyline did not want Lashley to be involved in the match. Um, but Lashley bursts out the top of the cage and gets into the match anyway. I mean, at this point, Heyman was playing a heel, even though like, like nobody's going to treat him as a heel in ECW. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Allegedly, the chamber door was not properly adjusted and it wasn't opening right, but it was a part of the storyline or they added it either way that Hallman security force bolted the door shut. That's why Lashley couldn't get out, but apparently he literally could not get out of the pod. Like apparently that was the actual thing. Like, well, we can't make him look weak. We can't open the door for him. (laughs) Now let's talk about that though, because like this is not a problem that has been solved in recent elimination chamber matches. Nope. Like, I mean, every single Elimination Chamber match, there's always some issue with the door. I think the first one is the only one where there yeah. was not an issue with the door. Yeah. And the second, and the only reason I say that, I don't think Goldberg was in the first. He was in the second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when Goldberg was the first one to like, oh, I'm Goldberg. Kick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I do want to ask, on that sense, the door wasn't opening. Did Lashley genuinely burst out of the top. I mean, I'm sure it's not like the most in- difficult thing I, to do in the world, but was that on the fly? He's like, I guess I'm just going through the ceiling. I believe so. Yeah, I believe like, this is like, 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 these are like uh, alleged stuff and I want to believe it because that's hilarious. Um, yeah. So we're going to say it's fact. <laughs> All right. So yeah, he burst out of the top of the pod and quickly eliminates test. And now we mm-hmm. get another person standing in the middle of the ring hold on we're gonna see in the dirt sheets tomorrow uh christmas 365 confirms december to dismember elimination (laughs) chamber bobby lashley actually did rip his way through the top of his cage jesus christ uh but yeah then so finally finally big show enters just as vince wanted it's like a quick two minute match the bat getting stuck in the cage is some of the most piss poor acting (laughs) i've ever seen in my entire life and then bob lashley wins and everybody went home happy Uh, yes yeah i think you can just end it everyone went home (laughs) i feel bad for lashley at this moment i mean at the same time and i i felt i mean i felt bad for roman when it happened to him nobody wanted to see it i don't feel bad for any of them they're making so much money to look like a piece of shit right now yeah (laughs) and also they're like they could have like hey can we not do this like like, no give me the bill give me the money give me that dumb bonus for just wearing this (laughs) like yeah i don't feel terribly bad for him but like for their run and their career yeah I think he's still fine. Like, <laughs> and this essentially killed ECW. Uh, they never did another pay per view uh, branded as ECW ever again, because it was definitely the fact that it was ECW that was the problem, um, yes. not the booking or the writing staff or all of the. No, because I mean, uh, could you imagine if they did it right and they they oh, like they like Paul put the Pitch? new 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and they 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 like so we had like the ECW new breed at the time, which involved like Elijah Burke and and CM Punk. If you did ECW like NXT, like you have this new breed of talent. Oh my god, it would have been amazing. Yeah, I mean that's what Paul Heyman's so good at too. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. his biggest skill is looking at potential and figuring out how to mold that potential into perfection. That's exactly what you need him to be doing in ECW in 2006 and like throwing him fucking zombies and vampires and the big show is not what he needs to be doing at that time. And so, so what's funny is what this all eventually led to. I mean, it eventually led to Vince McMahon winning the ECW championship. I was actually in attendance during an ECW. uh, So, so the way they did ECW for those listening who aren't familiar, um, ECW came on live at 10 PM on Tuesday nights and they filmed SmackDown uh, before, before SmackDown went live. So I was in attendance basically for the SmackDown, which means I like suffered through and sat and watched the ECW. And it was, um, it was when Bobby Lashley won the title back, actually. It was Bobby Lashley versus Shane and Vince in a handicap match. And it was hands down one of the worst live experiences I had seen. And I, I mean, even the worst one, I still have fun going to these things live regardless. Um, and this also led to Bobby Lashley versus Umaga at yeah. WrestleMania 23 involving Vince McMahon. <laughs> I don't understand that. So that was December to December 2006. I uh, will. I'll never watch this again. Yeah, I mean, I might watch it like on accident. Like if it's so, I'm like, uh, I can't find my remote. I'm like, I don't feel like getting up to find the remote. I'm just leave it on. But there was actually two one night stands after this. Yes. Um, surprisingly, but that was it though. That was one night stand in 2007, then 2008. I did not know this until right now looking this up. But ECW lasted on the WWE for four years. So it lasted four years yeah. after this pay-per-view was gone still. Jesus. And two years after the last one night stand. Dear God. That's impressive. Why? I didn't know that. <laughs> Why did they do that? Like, what was the point? Like, they, and also the last match still makes me so mad about this iteration of ECW. It was Ezekiel Jackson versus Christian, but Christian was a champion going in and he lost the belt. Yeah. And that On was the how they ended show. ECW. Jesus. <laughs> December to dismember might not be something I watch every Christmas. Uh, Dylan (laughs) has suggested that we have a new segment of things that we've been introduced to that are going to become part of our holiday celebration. Uh, Before we dive into this, it's worth noting that this is the first episode that we're putting out a week post Christmas. So if you're still sticking around, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Yeah, we'll see. And if you're still sticking around after this episode, thank you tenfold. <laughs> but let's let's. Uh, so how about you give us a, a quick thirty to forty-five second pitch on what this segment is, and then uh, Juan, myself, and you will throw in what we've uh, kind of added to our yearly watching or listening or whatever all right so basically every year i like to expand my watching or listening or kind of christmas traditions a little bit further than oh just watching it's a wonderful life over again don't get me wrong i love it's a wonderful life but i want to discover more i want to add to my christmas celebration so what i thought i pitched to matt was more like a pick of the week type deal whether it's something we just now discovered or something we have rediscovered that we hadn't heard or seen for a while so um i'll get started with my pick of the week uh this week i discovered a zelda themed christmas album called a merry hyrule christmas and i'm probably going to get these names all messed up but it's composed and written by eric buckholes David Russell, Wayne Strange, and Kyle Martin. And what I love about this is it's basically done in character. It All the songs are written as if they're being performed by people in Hyrule. It's not parody. Like it is not, um, the game grumps are not sitting here rapping and singing parody video game songs. It's literally in character. It's done in sincerity. And, and I think it's actually pretty beautiful. And I highly recommend 
a merry Hyrule Christmas, and it is on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube Music, wherever you stream music. Um, highly recommend that. All right. Thank you. I'll go next, actually. So um, this year, I've really been diving in during the holiday season. I was diving into just pushing the limits of every streaming service and their holiday content, uh, which I documented on my Instagram through the entire uh, November, December holiday. And it's still available on my Instagram at St. Mort. The one that really jumped out at me because I'd never seen it. I'd always heard about it and I loved it was um, the Jonathan Taylor Thomas classic. I'll be home for Christmas. Uh, This was my first time watching it and I really enjoyed it. Like I was like, I will absolutely watch this every year. This is so fun. It's so nineties. I mean, it's like maybe five minutes into the movie when the bully shows up and he's just blasting. I won't be home for Christmas by blink One Eighty Two. So, I mean, it, it won me over right then and there. Honestly, the only thing that shocks me about your pick, Matt, is like, I've always loved this movie. This is, this is a favorite of mine and my dad's. We watch it every year. Um, I think the thing that shocks me most is that you hadn't seen yeah. this because you watch this and it's like right up. You're in my alley. Oh, for 100%. sure. Like I almost like forgot it existed for years. And then I went to a holiday party a couple years ago and someone had it on in the background. I just remembered him dressed as Santa Claus in the desert. And I was like, oh, this looks like my type of shit. But like a giant party setting was not the place to be watching it. So like because everyone was like walking around and talking or whatever. So it always been on my radar of like, I got to watch that one day. And then when I saw that it was on Disney Plus this year, I was like, this is the year. This is the year that I watch. I'll be home for Christmas. And I love All right, every JTT, second. you finally got me. <laughs> and Juan, how about you? So does it have to be Christmas related or could be anything? Uh, holiday. We'll say holiday center. Oh, sorry, holiday. Yeah, <laughs> celebrate. Um, so, uh, <laughs> what I wanted, to, you know, what I discovered recently, uh, you know, I'll be home for Christmas. It's funny you mentioned that. I'll be sure for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. That's not a thing. But I want to make it a thing now. <laughs> I just thought of that. Like, how does I'll be sure has a Christmas album? I don't know why I thought of that. Um, but now, nah, so. What I'm trying to do is funny enough that you mentioned about like finding new things or discovering new stuff. Uh, me and my roommates actually want to discover new traditions from around the world. Not only just research them, see what they're about, see how weird we can get, uh, but actually do them. So like, and as an example, like figuring out how to get spider webs in our Christmas tree this year for good luck uh, is a tradition in the Ukraine. We were trying to try to do uh, a tradition in Japan is getting fried chicken from KFC for some reason. I don't know why. We're going to figure that out um and either get a bucket of kfc or make it ourselves like just fun little stuff we're gonna try to do for each little tradition there that's really cool and um as i i inherently feel the need to put people over all the time i think you might be interested in there's another podcast out there called weird christmas and it talks about the (laughs) the strange christmas traditions of people around the world so highly recommend that to there there's a second pick of the week for me sorry but i think it plays off of yours fantastic thank you for that well juan thank you so much for joining us where can people go to check out all of the wonderful things that you do because i know you as a musician first and foremost uh but you do a hell of a lot more than music you do music you for a while were doing a uh, podcast i'm not sure if that's still happening though yeah so um i was doing a podcast uh with a bread and with my um with my bandmate luke eccles from sunblind um called the bread and butter boys we were alive we could episode uh, episode of podcast right now we're on hiatus um because i'm actually in the midst of moving in with all of them uh in phoenixville so we kind of had put a lot of that stuff on hold plus the pandemic um i mean the pandemic wasn't stopping us from making live shows but it has we've been getting busier since things have been you know adjusting and opening up um but sunblind you can find us on Bandcamp. Um, I'm still working on another side project with some friends of ours from other bands that Matt's familiar with. Um, that is, uh, we're actually going to be working on demos here shortly for that. Um, there's, oh, and this whole project we're doing for the Christmas traditions that will most likely be documented as well on my, uh, I think next week I'm going to make an announcement, but I'll just say it here since I'm not sure when this is going to be released. Um, it's most likely it's Papa Juan will be available across all platforms. It's just me being goofy. And literally everything, so it's just a bunch of chaos, and I just put it on, on online for everyone to enjoy. I stream, I cook, I do a bunch of stuff. It's going to be great. I'm excited. A lot of people involved in that, too. I'm really excited to get that out finally. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Juan. <laughs> I feel like you've been working on that for almost as long as I've known you. Um, yeah, so- it's, a, it's a long time coming. It's going to be neat getting that out in the new year. 
<laughs> All right. Well, guys, that was and girls. I shouldn't be sexist. <laughs> that was a very Mary Russell cast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if if you've been if you've been sitting there and you thought to yourself, "Man, I really like the first five episodes of this show." <laughs> it really, it really went off. It really lost me. Don't worry. We'll be back to talking about things that you love. In the very near future, obviously, we've already said we're going to be talking to someone who starred in a Hallmark movie pretty soon. We're going to be talking to someone about their holiday traditions in Norway. And as promised a couple of weeks ago, we're going to watch uh, 2019's Last Christmas with our friend Joe, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, So strap in for that. Because uh, that'll be an interesting conversation. <laughs> so I am, I am very excited because when it was mentioned originally, I think I mentioned on that show that I had not heard of it. Um, but then I saw ads and I was like, "Wait a minute! I do remember this <laughs> a little bit." Um, and it popped up in my head. I'm like, "That's the 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 Dragon Girl." Yeah. I was never a, a, a Game of Thrones girl. watcher, but the that's dragon the Dragon Girl. girl I know. Um, and I do want to say for those of you who have stuck with us this long throughout this episode, um, you should actually appreciate that we talked more wrestling and less December to dismember. So you're welcome. <laughs> All right, well, we'll be back with another one. And uh, Dylan, Juan, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. We're making an ad. Napping ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm -hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. So, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad! That's the ad. That's the ad. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! You're listening to the Geekscape Network.